You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Welcome, and thank you so much for coming today. I just can't tell y'all what a pleasure this is. I just, it's so funny because I typically get super, super nervous if I'm going to stand up and speak in front of people, but I have just been nothing but excited about doing this because it's just just such a thrill to be back here with you guys. So thank y'all so much. It does kind of feel funny to have this whole front row open like this though, but but anyway, I get it. I always go to the back too. Um, Thank you for being here. I want to share a couple of um, bits of news with you real quick before we get started, because otherwise I will forget you have a handout that has the reading from today um, because it's kind of long and I know somebody's reading a very long reading. I kind of like to be able to read along. But on the back side of that sheet are just some quick announcements about some things that are coming up in women's ministry. Um, so I just want to highlight those really quickly. Um, so our next gathering like this will be on November 3rd and it will be a luncheon here with um, Abby Gatliff. So some of you might remember Court and Abby, they were here before they were called to um, South Highlands Presbyterian and she's now serving there as the Director of Student and Family Ministries. So she was also this year's recipient of Beeson Divinity School's James Earl Massey Student Preaching Award. So um, yeah, so that means she's real good. So, <laughs> so um, and she is. So um, y'all mark your calendars and plan to join us for that. Um, also, save the date for Christ in the Christmas Crunch. That's Friday, December 3rd. That is going to be a luncheon as well this year. We're hoping that'll help people be able to um, come, like, even if they're at work, um, to be able to do that. And our speaker for that will be Ingram Link, who is the Director of Women's Ministries at Covenant Presbyterian Church. Also, 2022 Linton Lunch Planning is underway, and we're very, very excited about that. Um, so I just want to lift that up to y'all to pray about how you might want to get involved this year. Um, Ann Bailey White has volunteered to coordinate our volunteers, and her contact information is there on the sheet for you. So if that is something that you feel called to do, we'd love to have you join us for whatever capacity that you feel that you're able to commit um, for this next year. Um, But that's just such a great way for us to serve and also to um, spend time with one another. So I appreciate that you giving that your prayers. So um, I'm going to read from uh, the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 9, verses 14 through 34. You've got this on your sheet if you want to read along. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up 
and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman, hey Ashley, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch this cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. When Jesus entered the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, and he said, Go away, the girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread through all that region. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith will it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. And while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. Hey, Shannon. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Heavenly and most gracious Father, um, thank you for bringing us to the beginning of this day. Lord, I pray that um, today there would be less of me and more of you. Lord, I pray that my words would be yours and that you would be glorified through them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, uh, what a long and strange trip this has been. I just can't tell you how thrilled my family and I are to be back here at the Advent with all of you. I lived in Birmingham my whole life, graduated from Advent Day School, worshiped at the Advent for 21 years, 15 of those years served as nursery coordinator until 2015 when um, our family of five, me and my husband and our three boys moved to Dallas, Texas. Now, through an amazing work of the Lord, we moved back to Birmingham in June of this year, and I was given the great privilege of serving alongside you as your director of women's ministries. I didn't see that one coming when I left Birmingham in 2015. Our whole experience in Texas was a little surreal. Now, that's not to say it was bad. Dallas is a great place to live. We made good friends. Our three boys went to fabulous schools. My husband was able to pursue a new career path with this company, and I had the pleasure of serving as the women's minister for a vibrant church community. I didn't see that one coming either. And y'all, the climate. I went for almost six years without a single frizzy hair day. (laughs) So great. But living somewhere else, even if it's great, after Birmingham had been my home for over 40 years, just never felt normal. In 2022, I mean, sorry, in 2020, despite a global pandemic and a freak 
devastating snowstorm, my husband and I had the enormous and humbling pleasure of watching the Lord lay a completely miraculously straight path for our return to Birmingham. I was thrilled because I had no doubt this move was the Lord's doing. But a part of me couldn't help but think, finally, our lives can get back to normal. I think it's safe to say that most of us had our idea of normal rocked during this pandemic. Virtual birthday parties, weddings, graduations, and even funerals, live-streamed worship services, visits with elderly relatives through closed glass doors, business meetings over Zoom, athletes competing in empty stadiums, and curbside everything became the norm, but certainly never felt normal. After this long season of pandemic weirdness, I imagine most of us can relate to a desire to get back to normal. But what exactly is normal? The dictionary defines normal as the usual, average, or typical state or condition. Yes, exactly. That is what I want. That's what I thought. The same people, the same places, the same items on the menu, the same routine, Jack and Jill and Sykes shoes right next to Savage's Bakery where they belong, and that guy out on Lakeshore preaching for all he is worth every Saturday afternoon. We like our normal because it's predictable, it's comfortable, it feels safe. But our return to Birmingham and the advent highlighted the obvious, normal the usual, average, or typical state or condition is fleeting, it's shifting, it's ever-changing because normal is dictated by cultural shifts, technology, circumstances, and stages of life. Now the Lord obviously recognized that I would need more time than the rest of the world to understand this. The Lord knows that I'm a slow learner. Now, not that I'm comparing my family's move to Texas to a global pandemic, but through our relocation experience, I got an advanced preview that would in some ways, in some small ways, resemble our later pandemic life. When we moved to Texas, I knew no one. I was involved in nothing. I wasn't a part of anything. And because no one knew me, no one had any expectations of me. No one thought of me as the perfect candidate to chair the fall festival at the school or exactly the player she needed to fill her tennis team roster. It was like pushing a refresh button on my life. As a result, my initial impression of our new home was that somehow life in the fifth largest city in the country was um, less frantic, less busy, and less stressful. But of course, our quieter lifestyle wasn't due to geography. Our quieter lifestyle was a result of all the things that were stripped away from our lives when we moved. Now, don't misunderstand. It was so hard to leave behind our family and our friends and our church. But I also left behind an overabundance of obligations, demands, expectations, and a ridiculously overscheduled life. Our life in Texas, our new normal, 
happened at a slower pace with more intentional priorities. We left behind a lot when we left Birmingham, but I gained a peace that I hadn't had in a very, very long time. Well, that peace didn't last long. A few months into our lives in the Lone Star State, I began to get restless and the peace I'd enjoyed gave way to fear and discontent disguised as control. I wanted our life back and I wanted it now. I was longing for our normal and God just wasn't acting quickly enough in a few key areas for my liking. So I got to work. I'd been patient long enough and it was time to get busy and boy did I get busy. What is notable is that during this time, there's a huge gap in the dates in my prayer journal. During this time, I spent far more time on the internet than I did on my knees. In the darkness of my fears, my uncertainties, and my doubts, the voice of the enemy whispering, did God really say, was enough to make me believe getting our lives back to normal was all up to me. Now, have you ever found yourself in a situation where despite every indication that something is wrong, you just forge straight ahead anyway? Well, despite multiple red flags, I plowed ahead until the day I doubled over in the worst pain I'd ever felt. I could only take short, shallow breaths and it hurt too badly to sit or lie down. In the emergency room, the ultrasound showed my abdominal cavity was completely filled with blood. This led to several hours of emergency exploratory surgery in an attempt to discover the cause of the extensive bleeding. I'd already lost four pints of blood by the time I got to the hospital. In recovery, the team of trauma surgeons told Kevin that despite examining all of my internal organs thoroughly, they could find no cause for the bleeding. There was no evidence anywhere in my body of why this should have happened. Following the surgery, I spent nine days in the hospital, another eight weeks confined to the bed. Now, anyone who has spent any time around me knows that I don't stop moving unless I'm sleeping, and I don't do a whole lot of that. But the extensive nature of my surgery made it impossible for me to do anything but be still for days on end. And in all that forced stillness and quiet, the Lord gave me an incredible gift. Instead of allowing me to fling myself headlong back into a normal of my own design, the Lord gifted me with the inability to do anything but listen for his voice telling me that in my longing, my desperation to get back to normal, I had gotten way ahead of him. Completely humbled and completely helpless, I could hear his voice calling me to repentance. Now, please don't misunderstand. It wasn't that the longing that I felt was wrong. My longing to get myself and my family situated well in this new place was right and good but I sought to fill it on my own, apart from God. That experience was humbling. 
See, I'd explained to my husband at one point that the reason I was willing to make this move to Texas was because I knew that it was the same God in Texas. And while I truly thought I believed that, I didn't really trust him to be God in Texas. I didn't trust him enough to completely surrender what our lives in Texas would look like to him. I didn't trust him enough to die to my idea of normal. Now, whether it's a desire to return to familiar routines or to escape the problems isolation made unavoidable, with vaccinations on the rise and protocols increasingly relaxed, most of us find ourselves racing to the front of the queue to get back to normal. So what is the normal that you are hoping for at the end of this long pandemic season? And who or what is driving that idea of normal? Now, the passage I read earlier comes from the ninth chapter of Matthew's gospel, and in it we find a very familiar scene. Jesus is being questioned, and frustratingly enough, his responses focus on advancing the gospel rather than defending himself to his questioners. Some of the players in this passage, the ruler, the woman, the two blind men, and the demon-possessed man, now they get it. Each of them long to get back to normal. The ruler wants his daughter alive. The woman wants to be well, return to her former life and her place in society. The blind men want their sight restored and the demon-possessed man wants to be free from the bondage of the evil spirit that has consumed him. They each approach Jesus in humility and complete understanding of their helplessness to do anything to improve their situation. Each of them is equally confident that Jesus is the only one who can restore them. And John's disciples, the Jews who are questioning Jesus in this passage, they also long to return to normal, free from the oppression of Roman rule. But they approach Jesus in their own righteousness, their own sufficiency, trusting in themselves to restore themselves. John's disciples have missed that they no longer need to fast in anticipation of Messiah's coming, he's right there with them. In questioning Jesus about fasting, John's disciples show that they've missed that with his coming, Jesus has ushered in a new normal, one where the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame leap with joy. In the hours of pain-medicated sleep I experienced as I recovered from that horrible surgery, the words that tossed around in my head like a ribbon twisting in the wind were St. Paul's. But Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Before our move, Kevin and I scheduled an appointment for prayer with the Advent House, our church's ministry dedicated to intercessory prayer. As far as we were aware, this move to Texas was all about Kevin accepting a promotion with his company. So 
I was surprised when one of the intercessors said she had a strong sense that this move was really about me. Another intercessor shared that the Lord was telling me to come away with him. As it turns out, our move was largely about me, dying to myself, my normal, to the people, things, and institutions I leaned on for my identity and my purpose. Jesus needed me to die to my self-reliance so that I could be raised to new life in him and ready to walk in the next step he had prepared for me. Jesus cares about all that we've suffered and lost during this pandemic. He cares about the celebrations we've missed and the deaths we've not been able to properly grieve. He cares about our need, our sorrow, our sicknesses. Jesus knows our suffering. He has experienced our pain and he weeps with and for us in it because this is not the normal he wanted for us. Now, none of us knows what this life will look like on the other side of COVID or if the normal that we have been longing for all these months will become reality. But the answer to our longing isn't whatever conception we have of normal, however good and comforting that might be. Just as Jesus's physical healings only point to the greater healing he would accomplish for us on the cross, the normal we long for only points us to the greater normal Jesus wants for us, which is so much more than a change in our circumstances. The normal we really want is the rest that is found only in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that while we were yet sinners, while we were still plowing ahead with our plans apart from God, Christ Jesus gave his life to take away our sin and gift us with eternal life in him. The gospel is the good news that rather than clinging to the nostalgia of the past, we have the hope of a certain future in Christ. The gospel is the good news that we don't have to know how to put all the pieces back together when this thing is over because Jesus's power is made perfect in our weakness. The gospel is the good news that we are free to die to our self-sufficiency because in that death, Jesus Christ will raise us to new life in him. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that we don't have to worry about getting back to normal because in the gospel, we receive the rest that comes with acknowledging that even our very best vision of normal is far inferior to the plans our Lord made for each of us before he laid the foundation of the world. If we are in Christ, his promise to us is that he will come again. And when he does, he will make all things new. And even more, we don't have to wait until he comes again to enjoy this new life in him. If you are a believer in Christ, he promises that you can enjoy this new life now simply by putting your trust in him. Submitting your plans, your dreams, your normal to him. And the beautiful work that he will do with them will be far greater than anything we could ask or imagine. The problem with our question, 
when will things get back to normal is that it's too small. Jesus asks us the better question. Do you believe I am able to do this? Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Thanks be to God. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. 